This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Life Saving Systems Corporation, we do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With the certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 has also partnered with Petzl to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. And Life Saving Systems Corporation. They manufacture the world's toughest helicopter rescue gear. From my favorite harness as a rescueman, the Triton harness, to the rescue baskets, the litters, and of course, the most popular hook in all helicopters, the D-Lock. The team at LSE will cut, bend, sew, weld, and machine these products into existence every day. We do our work so you can do yours. LSC, tough gear for tough jobs. Check them out today at lifesavingsystems.com and follow them on Instagram at rescuegear. That's at R-E-S-Q-G-E-A-R. One of the great things about this podcast for me is that I get to talk to people from around the world. It is so fun to listen to all their stories as well. So my first guest coming to us from Australia, my friend, Mr. Ben Darlington, who is also conveniently the Rescue Swimmer Association president right now, brings us some killer stories in this episode. So without further ado, my friend, Mr. Ben Darlington. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. Today I've got with me uh, one of my buddies from the Down Under. Come on, Mr. Ben Darlington. We know him from uh, Eurosa. He's the president of the Eurosa, European Rescue Swimmer Association. So what's up, Ben? How are you? Pretty, mate. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Dude, anytime, man. I'm, I'm, it's about time I get one of you guys like rolling out of this podcast with me. Jeez. It's like, uh, you know, you know, you guys are like number two listening to this and, and you're my first Australian. Come on. <laughs> Oh, well, absolute pleasure to be here. So thank you. Yeah, Dude, that's great. awesome. That's awesome. So now I know you a little bit from Eurosa. You know, you and I have talked many times. Uh, we just had a cool meeting and, you know, like it's been great. But for everybody else in the world that does not know the Ben Darlington that I know, please introduce yourself, my friend. Hey, well, uh, yeah. So Ben, um, from Australia, I've been in uh, helicopter search and rescue for about 14 years now. So uh, I started back in 2007 
and uh, yeah, as as you said, kind of got involved in the the Rescue Swimmers Association in, in 2012, and it really has just just opened my eyes to to the great work um, you know Rescue Swimmers are doing out there day in day out, and it's really a pleasure to be involved, and I'm just kind of really uh, excited and, and frothing out on on the association at the moment. So yeah, it's good. Sweet. So now for you personally, you got started, so 14 years ago, what helicopter were you on when you got started? Uh, so I was on the Bell 412. And wow. I was based, uh, yeah, the, the old workhorse, it's it's a classic truck, it's great. Um, so yeah, I was based up in the Torres Straits, so that's the waterway um, between the top of Australia and Papua New Guinea, so um, servicing the, the communities up there and yeah, had some, had some great, uh, great work up there. Got some great jobs and great experience. And Which um, we get to hear about some of them here. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, now for everybody else, that, cause, and actually this is for me too, uh, with you guys down there, like, are you just a rescue swimmer, a hoist operator, or like, how, what is your job role in the back of the aircraft? Uh, so Australia doesn't, have a dedicated uh, search and rescue um, network like, say, the Coast Guard. So search and rescue falls to the various states around Australia and they're kind of rolled in with the HEMS services. So depending on the different states, it'll depend on the, the crew setup. So where I was in Queensland, uh, they, they have a dedicated um, rescue crewman or rescue swimmer role. Um, in other states, the rescue swimmer is the flight paramedic. So it's, uh, it's a dual role there. So yeah, it's um, various states have various setups. Um, and uh, certainly for the guys in Queensland, um, a rescue swimmer generally progresses onto a winch operator down the track. So yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, you, around the country, there's, there's different, different ways this, the system works and um, yeah. There's some, some great examples around the country. Man, that that's pretty cool. Um, it, yeah, I like that. So for you yeah. personally, like get a little bit, let's get a little bit about you. How did you get into search and rescue? You know, like what's your little bit of your background? Did you swim as a kid? Did you, you know, and then kind of how you got into what we do? Yeah. Um, so yeah, my, my dad loves the water. Uh, he was a, a big water polo player. Um, so, you know, as a youngster, kind of you follow, you know, in your, in your parents' interests and whatnot. So yeah. got into the, to the water sports quite early and, um, and swimming and whatnot. Uh, and then following high school, I went off and studied uh, aviation science at uni. And after Aviation that, so, what? Yeah, just aviation science. So Oh, um, aviation just, science. Sorry. Yeah, it was yeah. the accent that threw me off. Sorry, I, uh, yeah, I'll slow it down a bit. I'm whoa, whoa, to... whoa. Don't be slowing <laughs> it down on me now. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and, and um, so the water background and kind of the little bit of the aviation background um, lined up nicely into, into the helicopter stuff. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah, so um, started with Australian Helicopters, which is a, is a civil company providing the HEMS and search and rescue services to Queensland Health. And um, after about two months of training uh, in late 2007, um, I was put online in 2008. And, and yeah, that was it. So, Dang. So yeah. you being a water, water polo player, uh, that kind of just what dropped you into the, like the rescue swimmer side of it? Or how did you get into like rescue swimming side? Yeah, so uh, I guess... Up in Queensland, they like recruiting guys from a bit of and girls with a bit of a water background, um, either you know lifeguards or, or swimmers or whatnot. Um, so yeah, generally there's an interview process and there's a there's a fitness test that you you'll go for. PT um, test, loving it. Yeah, yeah. So and yeah, so and obviously water is is a big component in that PT test. So. Uh, yeah, like I said, the water background certainly helped and um, the aviation and it, and it lined up nicely for me. So, wow, yeah. man, that's great. That's great. So very cool. So now yeah. once you get all your stuff in a line and whatnot, do you remember your very first SAR case? Uh, I do, yes. Yeah. So I was, um, I'd been on duty for about six months and like I said, a lot of HEMS cases 
but um, not so much search and rescue. But um, yeah, after about six months, um, we got the call. Uh, it was from our rescue coordination center. Um, they said, there's a vessel, uh, it's probably going to be within range of you in about 18 hours. So it was coming Eight or nine hours? Uh, 18 hours. Oh, 18 so. hours. Holy <laughs> cow. <laughs> so yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was about 500 nautical miles coming across the Gulf of Carpentaria. So um, yeah, it was kind of like, well, let's, um, let's start planning. <laughs> so um so yeah we were in the 412 so obviously we can't punch you know hundreds and hundreds of miles out so um yeah we were had 18 hours to plan and i had 18 hours to stew over it basically um we actually went off and did a hems case in between so <laughs> of course you did. Case that we went off and did <laughs> uh yeah and then the next morning we went out um well wait, wait, what what was the uh, what was the call like kind of specifics because if i mean if you got 18 hours to think about this you're like uh do you know the vessel you know the vessel you're going to what was the patient or what, what was wrong with him uh, yeah not sure about the patient um after all this time um the ship was uh, a bulk carrier with a set of cranes down one side so we it was going to be a winch there was there wasn't a possibility of landing on the deck so uh, from our perspective, um, we were focused on that. Obviously, we had a paramedic for the, the treatment of the patient. So, yeah, we went off and, um, yeah, conducted a stretcher winch recovery. And, yeah, I learned a lot. I messed up a lot. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good job. I, I learned a hell of a lot. Um, All right, let's get, we, we got to back up, man. I, I got to go yeah. into some details, man. So you had 18 <laughs> hours of play and you have a picture of a ship that you're going to, and you already yeah, know yeah. you're going to hoist and get to a stretcher. So yep. you roll up on scene, mm. like take me play by play. Cause th this yeah. is the stuff I love, man. <laughs> yeah. So good conditions. So it was, it was a good, uh, you know, light winds, um, we were able to, to approach into wind on the vessel. It was good references for the pilot and whatnot. We went to um, the first hatch, so closest to the, uh, the bridge, and they put myself and the paramedic down. Um, and then the, the stretcher came down. We went off and packaged the patient and then came back for the winch recovery. Um, so we were using a, a double-ended high line so it's it's identical at both ends oh cool um, i like that yeah yeah it is really good um you can go down you can swim swim on so you can disconnect from the cable and just swim on the high line or you can um you can feed it in reverse now this is where the problem came for me so in all the drills we had uh worked from the hook end or from the from the aircraft end as if you were lowering the high line down to the vessel Okay. When you're on the deck, that's actually reversed. So I have hooked the incorrect end of the high line up to the winch, up to the utility ring on the, the winch. And so as I was being the, um, the, the guideline or the trail line back up to the helicopter so the stretcher wouldn't spin, it hasn't fed from the top of the bag. It has pulled out from the bottom of the bag because I had set it up. So now I'm on deck um with 150 feet of, feet of high line out and it was it yeah it, yeah i remember thinking what an amateur what an absolute goose i have completely <laughs> mucked this up first job i've totally ruined it so anyway i've managed to to get control of the um the high line it, it hasn't spun it's it's all gone up the rest of the hoist is, is gone quite smoothly and um they've Brought the stretcher into the aircraft, and then I've highlined the hook back down, packaged up the highline connected, and and back to the aircraft. So, yeah, so that was that was very very embarrassing, but I I certainly learnt a lot. And then got to the debrief, and the uh, the winch operator and the captain were there, and we were having a chat, and they were they were very gentle. They were they were nice. They were like, man, 
that went well. I mean, you really made a mess of that high line, but you know, <laughs> you got the goal in the end. It was all right. I said, just one other thing. When you when you set up for the the stretch of recovery, um, you set up in the middle of the hatch, and I remember thinking about it. When they'd put me down, they put me on the edge of the the hatch, and there's about a two meter drop off to the rest of the vessel, and I honestly hadn't given it much thought. So when it came time for recovery, I've just gone over and I've set up in the middle of the hatch. And they've gone, yeah, look, I know exactly why you did that. But, you know, <laughs> as you get more experience, you'll start, your situational awareness will grow and you'll, you'll get a bigger picture of what's going on. We put you down on the edge of the hatch because that gave us really good clearances for the rotors. That gave us really good reference for the pilot and reference for the winch operator. So we know why you set up in the middle of the hatch. That was fine. But <laughs> think about it from our perspective. So, look, yeah, I'd, I'd gone <laughs> six months with, with no jobs. And, yeah, I learned so much from, from that one job. It was, yeah, it was a great experience. And, you know, it's one of those things you just, once I've done that first job, you realise that, you know, things are critical. You've got to be thinking about things. You've got to be thinking downstream. And, uh, yeah, it was yeah, like I said, a bit of a baptism by fire. I messed a few things up, but it was a, a good one to, to move forward from. So, yeah. You know, that's, that is, uh, that's pretty awesome. But there's a lot to be learned. And let's like kind of recap it a little bit. What you're talking about for everybody that doesn't understand is that when a pilot comes into a, uh, a position over the vessel or over the vessel specifically, or a tight, like, spot where it has just open water like a rig or something they have to have something to look at you have to have visual reference in order to hold the helicopter and the hover well like i've done the same thing you do is you get down and you get you're put in area a you go get your patient and you move to area b because you think that's the best spot well you just screwed everybody in the aircraft so like and so you've made their job five mm. times harder because you didn't go to the same spot that you started in. Yeah. Now at the same time, put it in perspective. You have a patient that their comfort level is going to be the middle of the path, right? Their mm. comfort level is not going to be on the edge. So while we're down there, you and I, we're thinking about the patient care. Like, Hey, I want to make this guy comfortable. Yeah. He's about to get hoisted into a helicopter, which doesn't happen every day. So let me yeah, get him yeah. a little more comfortable. Oh yeah. No, bad move bad rescue swimmer bad rescue swimmer <laughs> yeah, that's right exactly so, yeah yeah so for everybody um, out there that's going to be doing this when you get your patient put them like go back to where you got inserted to or landed at because that is where the best visual reference is for the pilot the air crew and when they go back they're expecting to go back to that same spot and have all the same visual cues so yeah yeah yeah. So it, so it goes back to, yeah, it goes back to when you're in the aircraft and you're getting the brief of where you're getting inserted. So, you know, really soak that up. But then again, once you're, once you've been put in, whether it's, you know, into the forest or, or onto the ship, just take that, you know, that five seconds to have a breath and have a look around, orientate yourself and then, you know, go up and do it. So yeah, all, all, all traps for young players. So. Oh, what a, what a great, good case too. Like, you know, the fact you have an opportunity to kind of, well, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing to have 18 hours to really think about what you're about to do. And because then you start um, yeah. planning, we're going to go in this way. We're going to put down here and, and then it all changes as soon as you get on scene. So you're, you're like, oh. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You do. Um, yeah. You, you come across those, um, those cases that haven't gone well, where they've overplanned one second and haven't been able to adapt to, to changes that are outside their control. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, um, yeah, 18 hours to stew on it was a lot. But um, in the end, I learned a lot. It all went well. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good job to, to You went out and did a little training <laughs> after that, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and, it's, you know, you make a mistake on a live job, you will not make that mistake ever, ever again. It just it is Never. ingrained in you then. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. The hard way. Yep. Hey, everybody yeah. made it home safely. So that's a, that's a win. That's, a, that's a life saved. So good deal. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah.
Man. All right. So you sent me a, a little article about something that you had done, which I think is pretty awesome. Now, this was published January 20th, 2009. And it says uh, the title of it is Two Survivors, Two, sorry, Two Survive Weeks at Sea in an Esky, quote unquote. All right. And uh, so for everybody out there, because I didn't know what an Esky was until I, I talked to you. So what, what the heck's an Esky? Uh, so an esky is generally what you keep your beer in. So, you know, like, you know, you, you fit a couple of cases in an esky. Um, a so bit cooler. Nice. A cool, like a an ice cooler. box. Yeah, yeah, icebox. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so as this job was progressing, when I heard esky, I was thinking about, you know, something, you know, you and your mate carry that holds a couple of cases of beer. Yeah. Um, as you see in the picture, this esky is, <laughs> yeah, is not that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, this this is huge. Well, it's, let me uh, let me read just a just a little bit off the off the top here because it, it's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. And then you know you're gonna have to break this one down too because this, this is pretty fun. Yeah. So, two Burmese fishermen survived almost a month floating in an ice box after their small wooden boat sank in the Torres Strait two days before Christmas. The pair, aged in their twenties, are recovering in the Thursday Island Hospital, which is the place Thursday Island, yeah, off yeah. the tip of Cape York Peninsula, according to the report. The men, dehydrated and exhausted, were spotted on Saturday by a routine border patrol flight, and were soon plucked from the ocean by an emergency management Queensland helicopter flown by Terry uh, Gadine. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Uh, when we winched down to the rescue crewmen in the water, the guy in the esky leaped out. Mister Gudine told Stephen, "Like, okay, I don't want to. I don't want to go too far because I, I want to hear this from you. Because this is telling me that, that somebody's jumping out of the cooler, basically onto you. So, let's back up to the beginning. You get a call out saying, hey, there's two guys floating in an ice box out here in the middle of the ocean.'" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah we were at base and um yeah so there's there's border patrol aircraft flying around and one of these airplanes said yeah there's two guys in an esky we're like well, that's what he's talking about so yeah two guys can't fit in that what are you talking about yeah. oh you barely fit so two we cases were, of beer yeah yeah so, so we were kind of thinking oh yeah so there's there's two guys hanging on to an esky, which is, you know, not, un, not uncommon. It's, you know, the boat goes over, the esky's floating, so they're hanging on to that. So that's, that's what we were kind of, the picture we had in our heads. So we fly out there and they said, they kind of confirmed, yeah, there's, there's two guys inside the esky. And we're like, no, that's, what's going on? So we were thinking, man, it must be two kids in this esky. And now we're thinking, uh, what's happened to the parents? You know, is this going to turn into a, a massive protracted search as we're trying to search for the adults that were with the kids? Um, but anyway, we, we fly out. There's the, the aeroplane flying overhead. And yeah, we come over top and there's two, two grown men inside this uh, six by four foot esky waving at us. And we couldn't <laughs> believe it. Uh, yeah. It's like a full on deep freeze. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it, it was huge. So they've they've put me down and I'm swimming over this thing and, I, and I'm looking up at, at the side of this esky. It's like you know, four feet to the top of the esky. And I'm swimming over and I'm thinking, how on earth am I gonna be able to get up there to, to get the strop on this this guy? And I'm swimming over to the, the boat. And this dude just launches off the top, kind of like a wrestler off the top of a, you know, the top, the top rope of a, of a boxing ring. And he just, he nails me, just absolutely smashes me. So, anyway, I've, I've managed to, you know, you know, push him off and chuck the strop on and up to the aircraft, uh, gone back down. The second guy's seen how the first guy did it. So he's just done the same thing, nailed me again. Um, and yeah, recovered them up to the aircraft, and yeah, so these poor guys from uh, from Burma. Um, I think there's AKA Myanmar, Myanmar. Yeah, where you know well. Yeah, yep. um, yeah. Had kind of the story is actually quite sad. It looks like they were forced 
to work on this fishing vessel. Um, and it's, it's gone down in some rough seas um, up near Indonesia. Uh, and over the course of the month, they're, they're collecting rainwater and, and uh, you know, fish scraps and, and whatnot out of the bottom of this, this esky. And um, yeah, they've ended up over, over on our patch. And yeah, that's, that's where the story, kind of that's where we came in. So it was just unbelievable. Just, yeah. So yeah, it's um, yeah, kind of interesting, very bizarre case to be involved in, but yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. Good to have a, a nice ending for these guys. I, I understand they ended up um, getting uh, refugee status in Australia. So oh, wow. So, oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, hmm. So yeah. you survived that long in a ice box floating yeah. for, you know, when you're talking a month, 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh so, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. It was unbelievable. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool story being told in. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I, I, <laughs> from multiple aspects, you know what? I, I didn't ask you this earlier, but uh, do you guys, do you train to stay on the hook? get off the hook and free swim or both? Uh, yeah, so where we were, um, like I said, there's multiple rescue agencies across Australia. Uh, so we, we did, we had the option to, to come off. Um, uh, there were a couple of, of tasks where, where I did, uh, where I thought it was warranted, but it's, it's something you, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the first um, wasn't the first choice generally uh, the choice was to stay on the cable for um, that in particular job uh, yeah for that job yeah. yes yeah um just a standard strop rescue um is pretty common we don't the basket that i know you guys use in oh, the states yeah. is not, not a common piece of equipment here in australia so oh. the strop in a yeah in a maritime environment is is the go-to bit of gear um and yeah i, I know there's there's a huge discussion that can be had of the advantages of, of coming off the cable. And, and I love, I love having discussions like that, but um, yeah, it, it depends. Um, various organizations in Australia like, like their swimmers to stay on the cable um, and some have the option to come off. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting topic that um, yeah, I'm sure we can, can delve into another we, time. Yeah. We might be able to dive into that a little later, but for right yeah, now, yeah. so you stayed on the cable, and this dude jumps mm. off the icebox to you, and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" So you got to wrestle yeah. him a little bit, get him into this job. Yeah, you're worried about then managing the cable and trying to yeah. You know, yeah. get yourself a bit of space. And so yeah, I imagine so. On the, when the second guy was getting ready to jump, you're like, "Oh, I, I got this. I, I know exactly <laughs> who." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, oh. the second one went a little so yeah so seeing that i've been up to myanmar and and most of those guys they speak burmese and but uh their, their english is is not is it's not near as good as ours <laughs> but uh what was the conversation like when you got into the aircraft Were they like just kind of laid back like ah oh, we we did it we made it yeah. uh yeah no there was yeah well my my burmese is, is pretty ordinary so <laughs> there wasn't much going back the way so yeah we we gave them some water they were pretty um they had some pretty bad sores on them i guess sun exposure and, and sores and whatnot but um yeah they were they were pretty good i think we couldn't get an indication of time frames or anything off them at that stage um yeah they just just looked at them over that they were in you know there wasn't any major trauma they were in you know for someone in that state they were relatively good and um, yeah, they were just keen to have a bit of a drink and yeah, like you said, probably just sit back and relax on something stable that wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah God so. bless. That's, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Good save, dude. Yeah. yeah no, it, was, it was a good one to be involved in. Very cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, very it's cool. awesome. Mm. Yeah. Um, so any other ones that stand out to you off the top of your head? Um. Oh, we did. We did have a, an interesting one um, that I actually got to do. Um, a, a very good friend of mine now, Sam, and I started out our rescue crewman training together. Um, we went through together and he ended up becoming a winch operator after a few years. So this is the first job we went out. Um, you know, the two young guys, Sam was now <laughs> the winch operator. And 
it was actually a bit of a challenging job. It was um, just before nightfall, um, we got a call that a, a helicopter had ditched um, up in the Torres Straits. Um, and then the helicopter was from the, a private company that worked next door. Um, and that actually come over to us just as we were getting the aircraft ready. And they said, yeah, look, he has, he's put the aircraft down on the water. This is a real job. It's happening. Um, so yeah, you kind of, cause you know, you, you get a lot of call outs, but not a very small percentage of them are actually something that, that is, uh, not a legitimate case, but, a you know, a high priority case, but right. this one was, you know, okay, this is, we're on here. It's, um, yeah, this is a critical job. So we shot out. Um, it was one. It was a, a GPS equipped uh, 406 beacon. So we actually had a, a GPS position to track to. Um, so we were tracking out, and we have the tables that when you, you get a lat long, and you can work out when last light is. Yeah. So Sam was up front, and he's going through, and we were going to arrive on scene after the sunset, and about you know, five or 10 minutes before last light. So um, the other thing in Australia is we generally are single pilot helicopters. So we don't have that true night over water capability. So uh-huh. it becomes a bit of a race to, to get the job done before last light, because as you know, without an auto hover, trying to, for the pilot trying to hover over water at night is, is very very difficult so it's it's not that's that's attempted so now we kind of had this pressure of we need to get there before last light and have this wrapped up so again i was in the back setting everything up sam so the winch operator sits front left on the way out to the job he assists the pilot navigating and he's talking on all the mission radios and liaising with the rescue coordination center so he sambo was working solely out the front I was in the back getting the aircraft, um, the cabin configured, ready for the winch and everything. And Sambo was like, when we get on scene, we're going to have about five minutes before last light, before we can just, it's non-negotiable. We just have to cut it away. We, we can't we can't push on. He said, so let's get up, get the Mark 25s ready. So they're, they're, a, they're a huge flare. So Yeah, I'm very familiar once, with it. Mark 25, yeah. burns for 25 minutes. White smoke. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yellow, then, yellow flame, white smoke. Oh, it's a big flame. <laughs> um, and Can't then, believe I still and, remember all that stuff. <laughs> and then, as you know, after the 25 minutes, it, it self-scuttles, it explodes and, and yep. sinks. So, yep. yeah. So Sambo It's not like an like, explosion. Hold on. You're not, you're not yeah, thinking like, like, you know, Hollywood. Boom. Yeah. Blows up. <laughs> this is going to self-destruct after 25 minutes. No, no, no. <laughs> it like yeah, pops yeah, a yeah. section and then opens holes to let it fill with water and then it sinks. Done. Yeah. Right. yeah. A, small, a little pop. <laughs> yeah. There's a little, a little hole goes into the side of, of the, uh, <laughs> the object and, and it sinks. Yeah. So I don't know. So we get there and Sambo's like, we're going to fly over top. Uh, we'll drop a couple of Mark 25s out so the pilot has good reference. And then if we have time, we're going to send you in to, to grab the pilot. So, so yeah, we had a good plan. Everything was all laid out. We had, we had a small time frame, but we had an achievable time frame to do the job. Um, yeah, so anyway, we're about 10 miles out and I'm monitoring the VHF radio on the back. And every time you pick up that first, you know, the... Do 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 when the when you hear the beacon come in and you know the hair on the back of your neck stands up. It's like, all right, this is on. We're we're on here. So we're coming in. Um, Sambo's jumped over into the back now, ready for the winch, and we fly over. And there's this little Robinson Forty Four helicopter just just rocking back nicely on the sea. It was just it was it was bizarre. Another really bizarre sight. It was just just happy rocking away. So yeah, as as the plan, we flew upwind, dropped out the Mark 25s, came back around. Uh, Sambo started to winch me out, um, and we're kind of because of the wind, the helicopter has weathercocked into the wind. Okay. So we've we've set up at about the nine o'clock to the okay. helicopter. Okay. So Sambo's put me down. I've stayed on the cable and I've swum around, uh, swum over, and. The rotor of the other helicopter is still just just spinning, so I'm still attached to the, to the cable, 
<laughs> come around to the to the front of the helicopter, and the pilot's sitting in the in the pilot seat. He's kind of yeah, I don't know what he was thinking, but you know, he's just he's just managed to land a helicopter on the water. I think he's he's done a pretty good job, but he was <laughs> yeah, he's probably stressed out a bit. So he was he was just sitting there, and I was I didn't really want to swim under the the disc with the. I mean, it was spinning very slowly. Right, 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 right. But just moving. Around. It's it's still yeah. moving. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, not not from power, but just right. from from wind, yeah. a movement, yeah. the rocking. Yeah, I. Exactly. I yeah. The um, rotor brake so, is not on, is what you're saying. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, I'm kind of motioning him to come on, come on, swim over. And he was, uh, you know, it took a lot of lot of coaxing, but eventually he, he came out, he swam over, um, you know, grabbed him up and, yeah, lifted him up into the aircraft and the aircraft rolled off and there was still a little bit of, bit of light left. We've rolled on off and, yeah. Like literally flown away in the sunset. Oh, boom, dude! Uh, Save the day. Yeah, yeah, we did. That's stuff movies are made out of. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) That's sick. That is awesome. What does? What happened to the helicopter? Like, why? Why did he go down? Yeah. Um. He'd heard some some really. I'm I'm not sure. He he had some really bizarre indications and you heard some really weird noises in the aircraft so he he's elected to put it on the ground and he's done a good job like i said the aircraft was just sitting there nicely it, it had pop-up floats sorry yeah so yeah all the floats so land on the water yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah it was bizarre and then um i think the next day um they went out and recovered the recovered the aircraft so no way yeah. oh that's awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so yeah good story all around it was, it was pretty cool so, man well done well done on all, all of you guys to yeah. to prepare and plan that way you know you have a very limited time on scene and go in execute and bolt and head back home yeah. that's that's pretty awesome uh you know there's a lot of times you know you that's that crew coordination stuff you have to have that in order to make that happen so well done absolutely yeah and it's and it's good and you know, I'm I'm extremely biased here, but obviously rescue swimmers make very, very good winch operators because they know exactly what the guy in the water wants, yeah. how much cable he wants out, what he's thinking, and and yeah, Sambo was just, you know, spot the dog, he was all over it. It was yeah, it was great. So I yeah. I agree with you. Uh and and that's another one of those topics of conversation where people might get a little like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I, I like the fact that I can do both roles. Like I am a hoist operator. Yeah, I am yeah. a rescue specialist. So I know what they want on the ground and they, and I, you know, like I know what they want in the air. Um, yeah, until yeah. you do both roles, like you have an understanding of your job. And, and mm. I know a lot of good flight mechs or hoist operators that do an amazing job. Like they're oh, really, really good at absolutely. what they do. So yeah without taking away from that. I know a lot mm. of rescue specialists, rescue swimmers that do an amazing job on the ground or in the water. They yeah, do awesome yeah. at their job, but you really don't understand the other guy's job until you're sitting there and you're like, Oh <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of them as an example, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but one of them yeah, as an example yeah. would be like, as you're hoisting in something, whether it's a basket, whether it's a quick strop or a strop, you there's different rotor washes from the aircraft and you see things like kick out at a certain angle or uh, degree on the aircraft. So it might kick out at three o'clock. It might kick out at one o'clock. It might kick out at uh, like four o'clock based on the aircraft. You don't know that until you're in that position. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, Oh, that's why (laughs) they position there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And and I think that's that's another benefit uh, we have here in Australia. We've we've got so many different organisations, and when you look at your winch operators, you've got guys that come in from the army with just an unbelievable amount of experience on goggles and and flying into confined areas and and, and whatnot. You've got navy guys that are just can fly to the back of any type of vessel. Um, and you get all that. You get all that coming in together with you know your ex rescue swimmers that are now the, the winch operators it's it just makes for a wealth of knowledge it, it's yeah it's it's quite a good good place to be when you have 
all these these parties coming together it's it's fantastic so yeah that's that's pretty awesome i i like that i like that a lot now are you a hoist operator as well uh yeah i have i have moved on um yet and, and gotten the upgrade as well so of course yeah. you have my bad uh <laughs> yes yeah, so. you know actually yeah. i think you said that in the beginning and i already forgot so it's terrible no, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah. so oh. yeah so it's um like you said it's the rescue swimmer stuff led nicely into into the hoist operator stuff so yeah that's yeah good deal man well well done to you and your crew on that one gosh yeah, no, I bet that dude's was... pretty happy he's like ah you know yeah. here i was just having a nice flight landing in the water now he's telling me i gotta go swimming <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bit rude. So, yeah, got him all wet. No good. So, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, good job, dude. Um, yeah, if you don't mind, I'd like to move on a little bit then. And I want to open the floor up to you for whatever you want to discuss. But you and I have talked quite a bit about Eurosa. And, you know, we heard from uh, Risto and Sammy and how it all started, which is an amazing story. For anybody that hasn't yeah. listened to it, go back to listen to that asterisk and how Eurosa got started. And then we listened to uh, Sammy and all his cases. But how yeah. did you get involved with the European Rescue Swimmer Association? Yeah, so um, must have been about 2011 or 2012. Um, the company I work for, Australian Helicopters, was um, bought by ANEA, so a big Spanish company. Um, and I just got in contact with a couple of the, the Spanish guys over there because I was really interested to see how, how they did things in Spain. And they said, hey, we've, yeah, we've got this meeting coming up in Denmark. Uh, uh, you should come along. It's, and it, they told me a little bit about the association and whatnot. Um, yeah, so I was like, hell yeah. So I went up to, to Denmark and it was just fantastic. So... Yeah, like you said, if you go back and listen to the story from Risto and, and Sammy, it talks about how this association was started um, when there was a problem between a, um, the Finns were out doing a job and they had some some trouble and the had Swedish some trouble. Guys, the cable yeah. broke with Risto in the water with the survivor, yeah. and yeah. he's just floating around. He's like, "Oh, now what?" <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing. It, yeah. Um, so yeah, so they, then they've they've thought, well, you know, we work in the same body of water, we do the same job, we should probably start you know, sharing ideas and sharing experiences. And um, that was the so, uh, Sweden came out to pick him up. Yeah, right? yeah, that's it. Yeah, so yeah, so um, Daniel from Sweden was the rescue swimmer uh, on that job, and so, yeah, he came down and, and picked first time. Up and, that, that's like you and I meeting in the middle of an ocean, being like. What's up, dude? Hey, you want to ride? <laughs> we Go should probably talk ride. more often. Hey, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was, it was, yeah. It's, it's a really cool, um, yeah, story on how the association started. So they had their first meeting um, back in in Finland and um, uh, Estonia, and this was their second meeting. It was hosted by the Danish Air Force uh, up at one of their Air Force bases, and it was just fantastic it was a great opportunity to see how our professional swimmers from across europe did their thing um and it was great you know they're really professional guys um but yeah still having the same issues that we had in australia still having the same problems and yeah still making the same mistakes so yeah it was it was just <laughs> not uh, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that nowhere near as bad as my first job but, uh. <laughs> Uh, stupid tagline yeah yeah exactly but yeah it's it's that thing it's it's sharing those things that you could have done better or things that didn't go well um it's uh you know identifying them and sharing them with other people and and that's just what i love about the association so yeah i um yeah every two years there was a meeting and i kept going back to the meetings and yeah it's it's just yeah What's well, impacted you so much that it just so happened you're the president of the association. Hey, yeah. come on, Prez, what's up? <laughs> yeah, so I guess yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of holding the reins at the moment. Um, and look, it is it's an absolute pleasure. Um, there are some some guys and girls in this association that I just absolutely look up to the the jobs they've done and and the way they train and and their 
their passion for the role is just amazing. There are some some amazing rescue swimmers out there, and to hear some of their stories, like um, like you had um, with Alvin and Hans a couple of weeks ago. Oh, amazing the, story! The, the job they did there, yeah, um, with that car carrier was just unbelievable. Um, and I just, yeah, it's it's amazing to kind of be able to sit back and, and see how these guys do the jobs and and the lessons learned from all of that and and what they thought they could have done better and and whatnot. It's it's fantastic to be involved in. So, yeah. so how does um how does the information get shared? Like when you like I know I get an email from you, but kind of explain that. Like when when somebody has a mission or something, uh, they end up sharing about a little bit about the mission so you can talk about it. How does that work? Yeah, so yeah, we've got about uh, we've got over three hundred members from from all over the place now, which is great. And we've got various country representatives kind of keeping tabs on on all the countries. And so generally, if one of the members from their country does doesn't does any type of job, they'll generally post it up on our, our little forum. Um, and it's and it's great just just to hear what they did. Um, the guys in Italy recently did a job with the the child rescue capsule. Um, you know, I've never done a job with a child rescue capsule. And, and so it's it's just really good to to see how he found it, how he held it, how he how he loaded the baby and everything. And yeah, just just little things like that. It's it's great to to get that operational feedback on on jobs. It's it's fantastic. And uh, and yeah, um, yeah, on this forum we you know, it's not always pleasant reading these reports, but, um, you know, unfortunately, accidents in, in helicopter rescue occur. Uh, right. So, you know, there's, we've got a huge database of, of all the incidents and accidents that have happened over the years. And it's, yeah, like I said, it's not pleasant to read sometimes, but it's, it's good to go over these things and identify what didn't go so well and, and how you can kind of train and prepare yourself so that you don't, don't fall into those those same same traps. So, yeah, you know. very much so. As a matter of fact, you since I've been a member, so thank you by the way. I appreciate you that <laughs> hang out with you guys and stuff. Uh, one oh, of pleasure. the the articles or, or write ups, so I should say that uh, that got sent out was the accident that happened in France, where the two guys uh, yeah. were on the cable. Is that right, yeah, France? Yeah. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah it was, so. Uh, I'll give a quick synopsis of it. And the short version is you had two guys on the hoist hook. They were doing some hoist training and there was a, a grinding or a, a stoppage or a, a basically a hoist cable foul um, in the, in the hoist itself. And basically the short version is, is as they were trying to taxi, you know, air taxi back uh, the winch operator tried to move the cable again and it broke. And they, they those two ended up falling. Um, unfortunately both, members passed but like that that's the stuff that that gets presented and then everybody has an opportunity to kind of talk about it like hey what do you do for emergency procedures for this incident and now you have that worldwide talk of either as a rescue specialist or a hoist operator or a pilot so exactly yeah exactly i mean it is it's really unfortunate to read these reports but seeing them in context and being able to discuss them really does make it, I think, sink in and, you know, the perils of the job. So, yeah, like I said, it, it's not pleasant reading, but I think it's, it's important to, to share things like that. Um, and, yeah, like I said, I, I, I love hearing all the good jobs that the, the guys from around, around the place are doing, but it's also great to hear when, when one of the guys or girls puts their hand up and said, yeah, look, I did this job and, you know, I didn't really do this all that well um, you know when you do a job like this have consider this 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 and this and you know it might go go better for you so yeah it, it really is learning from each other you know learning from others good jobs and and from jobs that didn't go as well so yeah, it's yeah. it's i love it and i like the last post that, that i think you just sent out uh what a week ago was a, a big rescue that the guys up in where was that one 
yeah, put me on the spot. Uh, I think there was another yeah, right. Italian one that I did. Uh, ah. that was Night, Night Wish. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. The Italians. Yeah. So the Italians came out and, and did some amazing rescue and that got posted. Wow, what a great yeah. read that was. So yeah, yeah, up at uh yeah, up at um near where we did had one of our rescue meetings. So yeah. Yeah, but Shinka Terra there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's uh, and it's yeah. I, I I love reading reading those jobs and and how they did it and and whatnot. So yeah, it's um yeah, it's, it's a great organisation to be part of. And yeah, I think you know really got to throw back to Sammy and Risto and all and Yuha, all the guys up in um in Finland and and everywhere that that kind of got the association off the ground to where it is today. It's it's pretty cool. So yeah, good job to those guys. Um, now, if you listen to those episodes already, you probably already know, but uh, for everybody else that hasn't yet, how do we how do we get into the association? What do we have to do? Yeah, so basically, we're looking for people that are, you know, are passionate about the role, you know, dedicated to the role, and yeah, want to share their experiences and, and learn. So yeah, if you are a full-time um, yeah, rescue swimmer or rescue crewman, however, however it's called in your country, um, yeah, jump onto our website at uh, eurosa.com. Um, and yeah, look, it's 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 not a free pass. We will put you through the griller. Um, there is a, a fitness I was going to talk about that in a second too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, look, we, we are, uh, you know, we're Rescue Swimmers Association. So obviously there is a standard of, of water competence that we need to, um, you know, uphold. So there is a, there is a water test. So... But yeah, look, if, like I said, if you're passionate about the role um, and you want to learn, um, yeah, we look, we encourage people from around the world to join. Um, yeah, we've, uh, last year, we got our first members from New Zealand, which is really cool. We've got um, members nice. from all through, through South America. Um, and we're getting some, getting some fantastic members from the States too, which is pretty cool. So it's, that, I, uh, that would be me, me, me. <laughs> Yeah, I there's a couple well, other guys in there but <laughs> there are some some hard hitters from the states coming in so yeah it's good so yeah from from what started there in the baltic sea um it really has has grown out so it's yeah it's 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 really it's a pleasure to be involved in it so yeah no, no it's killer I, I love it and from the states off the top of my head you got mario vatone butch flyth was uh, a part of it you know yeah. uh chris rezok is is now one of the guys you know it, it's yeah. i mean i'm all about it and and just like I said yeah. to talk about everybody and everywhere and the different gear equipment you know how you do this but as a matter of fact i learned from um janos from estonia he was oh, telling yeah. yeah so he yeah. gave me a, a tip and trick with a raft and and how to sit on the edge of a raft and doing tagline stuff yeah. as you're yeah. getting people in and out of the raft so if you have 20 people in a raft instead of swimming in and out we'll just leave the helicopter at an angle and and just you know rescue strap them in or bring the basket down and oh, yeah. now you now you do an angle pickup so it's it's out they swing to center and then bring them into the aircraft so i was like oh that's why didn't i think of that yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. and and that, that's what i love about the association you've got every country seems to be extremely good at a various aspect of the operation you, you know you've got guys that are awesome in you know really cold water like almost swimming in ice you got guys that are good in big seas you got organizations that are that are really good at those long range SAR jobs you know a couple of hundred miles out to sea and then then working with ships that are pitching and rolling um there's just it's just great to be able to tap in to those different organizations that are just so keyed in to various aspects of the job it's 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 fantastic so yeah yeah, it, it, there is a wealth of knowledge there to, to tap into. It's great. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's killer. So to, to yeah. tweak over to the PT test. So nah, it, yeah. it, it yeah. is a swim test. And uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So to, I, I got to give everybody kind of a perspective here. So I did it and I, what did I send you? Like 13 minutes and like, I'm going to say 43 seconds, something like that. And it, it was, it was all right. I was like, yeah, I was so proud of myself. I'm like, Oh, but I still got this. Then I get next to your time. How fast are you doing it there, Ben? Uh, <laughs> um, so a couple of us are doing it under nine. So, nine yeah. freaking minutes. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to pull four minutes off this yeah. damn thing. <laughs> uh, so, um, and it's uh, again, we've kind of, 
we've built this test. Um, I'd like to think it's pretty brutal. We're, we're trying to put our members through stresses that they will experience on an operational job. So, you know, um, swimming with a, with a mask and snorkel is, is hard work. You, you, the, the air you've got to expel through that snorkel to get the big breaths in is hard work. You know, there's, there's fin work, there's underwater work, there's a bit of a toe there. Um, yep. In between each of the steps, there's pulling yourself out of the water. That's to simulate pulling yourself up onto a small vessel or, a, or into a raft or off the back of a yacht. So, yeah, it's, it's a challenging, uh, challenging test. And uh, at our rescue swimmer meetings, it, it really comes to a head. Um, we have the, the rescue swimmer PT. So we have the, the PT test. And then we have the, uh, the rescue swimmer relay. So that, <laughs> that is really where things heat up. It's, it's great. So it's a, a four by 100 metre. And I think that's where you start to see the guys really, really swimming for their for their country um we've had some great battles over the years um the first time the finnish team beat italy in italy and the the italians were were furious so the next year um yeah so the next time was held in in iceland the italians beat the Finns. um so yeah there's there's that rivalry there um so Australia and Norway have joined up and had a couple of teams in the past and, and we've seemed to be going head to head with Spain a lot. So it's, uh, I just, just love the energy <laughs> that's there. There's, there's that real uh, killer instinct that comes out too. You kind of, you get on the deck, you're with your, your guys from your country and you're like, there is no way those Spanish guys are beating us today. <laughs> it's just, it's killer. And look, I, I kind of, the energy that's on the pool deck, I like to kind of think it's, it's like when you're out in the chopper and you, the conditions are pretty rough and you open the door and just the, the environment just captures you and you get hyped up in the environment. It's just, there's just energies there. I mean, obviously on a job, you're trying to slow things down and calm down and work through things calmly and systematically. But yeah, on the pool deck, you just, the energy's there and you just harness it and you just, yeah, you just, yeah, go for the, go for the neck. It's great. So, yeah. <laughs> so, That's yeah awesome. so, so for all the swimmers out there, yeah, um, get the teams together. The, I think the Italians are the ones to take down at the moment. So, yeah, it's, it's good fun. It's a lot of fun. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I'll just be there. Yeah. I'll show up. That's good. Awesome. Um, yeah. I'm like excited. I said, we've got some We've got some hard hitters from the States. Um, I think they'll be a pretty good team. So it's going to be a lot of fun when we, uh, when we finally get to hold this meeting. Unfortunately, COVID's causing some dramas for us. But uh, Portugal will be the next meeting that's coming up. and Which uh, is in next- 2022, uh, May of 2022. And, then, and you guys do a meeting every two years, right? That's right, yeah. So every two years. And then, yeah, we're looking at an off-season event. But, um, yeah, every two years for the meeting. And like I said, great chance to come together and learn from each other's. And we have, we've got some fantastic partners. So some, um, some aircraft um, manufacturers, some, some rescue equipment specialists. And it's just great having them there at the meeting, being able to talk directly to the, to the manufacturer of Yasagi. So you're knowing exactly how to care for it, how to awesome. use it. It's, wow. it's fantastic. So, you know, we certainly couldn't do it without those partners that, that look after us. So yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. I, everybody that's out there that's, uh, that's listening. Now, what, what about retired guys? Can any of the retired swimmers jump in and give some of their, cause I, I'll tell well, you, that's, that's me personally. I learned a lot from a lot of the older generation. They were like, yeah. why are you doing it like that? Why don't you do this? I was like, why didn't I think of that? Doggone it. Yeah. Oh. There are some absolute gems out there. Uh, again, we've, um, yeah, we might, we might throw you through the fitness test, but yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah, uh, yeah throw, throw an application in and uh, yeah, we'll certainly, certainly review those. So, cause yeah, like you said, there are some fantastic, um, yeah, fantastic knowledge to tap into there as well. So. Awesome. And uh, for everybody out there, just go to Eurosa, E-U-R, O-R-S-A, Eurosa.com. And that's where that's you good. get to fill in your application to be a uh, part of the Rescue Swimmer Association. Man, yeah. next thing you know, yeah. you'll be uh, getting an email from Ben, either saying, hey, welcome, or 
work harder in the pool. Like you said to me, <laughs> whatever, Ben. <laughs> uh, that's it. Yeah, fantastic. Awesome. Ben, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you, and it's great seeing you again. You know, I, I love the oh. stories. I so much appreciate again my my first Aussie right here, ladies and gentlemen. What's oh, up, mate? It, my absolute pleasure, mate. It, it's it's fantastic. I love what you're doing. I've been um, I'm loving these episodes. They thank great, you. So. Ah, yeah. it's been a blast awesome. for sure. I get to talk to guys like you, so it makes it even more fun. So, ah, <laughs> oh, you're a good man. <laughs> no, All right, ladies and gentlemen, and with that, we are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute and like my daughters like to tell me, like and subscribe. Oh yeah. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story that they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you as a guest. Or if you have any questions about any of the rescues or anything else that we talk about here on this podcast, send me an email therealrescue at gmail.com that's t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q at gmail.com you can also check us out on our facebook and instagram page at the real rescue that's at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q i also want to give a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today always remember that when that sar alarm goes off Those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard.